But remember, we also said, so who's going to need a buyer's agent? And one of the big key conversations we had was time. As the, lo- as the world and life gets busier, people have less time. They do. So they're engaging people to do the things because time's valuable too. If I have a spare day on a Sunday or a Saturday, I want to spend it with my family. I do not want to be traipsing to the Central Coast, looking at a house that looks good in the pictures and when I got there it was horrible and then I drove all the way home. So time is valuable to people. So we're saving them time and saving them money. So I think for the, even for that reason, it's a service that's going to continue. Property transactions can be among the most significant financial decisions of your life. Hence, we're here to guide you, debunk the myths and misconceptions that cloud the industry. We want to help you move confidently through the real estate journey and give you a behind-the-curtain look into the world of real estate. We're Michelle Tucker and Linda Johnson from Spring Buyers Agency and Spring Property Management. And this is the Unreal Estate Podcast. So I guess to wind it back, this episode is called Commission Breath. And it used to be a saying, and I think real estate's hard. It's not you get paid every week and you know what you're going to get paid. There's a roller coaster attached to real estate because you can have a great month and then you can have a crappy month and you've got to ride that out. So I guess Commission Breath kind of came around from the agents that were really focused on it, almost so that it was in an inhibitor to them winning the business because there was a sense of desperation about it. And that could be born not from anything bad other than I need to feed my family. Well, it's it's that, but some officers breed a culture of it because True. all they talk about at the sales meeting is commission. is commission. They don't talk about anything else. They don't talk about clients. There's nothing client-centric. Which, when we started our business, was all about the client. 100%. And us also finding that passionate, the passion in us that made us want to get out of bed and go to work every day. So, but... Even when I was selling real estate, I never, and I don't know if you did, but I never got out a calculator and said, this is how much money this deal means. And I still don't. I only ever had to, and it was because I had to worry about it at the end of the month when I had to produce my figures for the principal. But on a deal by deal basis. No. Never. And we still don't. I wouldn't. Half the time I've got to get, i got to work it. Like I just, we just don't do it. It's not what drives us. That's fair to say. Yep, we're not driven right. by it. Unfortunately though, we do still see it out in the marketplace and that's why I guess it is transactional for some people because they literally, and it, you know, it, it can be quite often for new people. They've given up their former career. Totally. They've entered a whole new career. Scary. And, you know, they've taken the plunge and they're out on their own. They're not earning their... PAYG weekly, monthly salary, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, I've got to feed myself, my family, I've got bills to pay, and it's kind of driven by circumstance. You want to win them on what what you can do to help them, what service you offer. I mean, our business is very client-focused. We've spent many, 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 many months and years in refining our processes and communication skills because communication is the key to success in that arena we've had businesses before we're driven by that ability to make more when you work harder Mm -hmm. to sit in a nine to five job earning the same pay every week for the rest of your life is not 
who I am or who you are. I guess what we're being conditioned to over generations, those stakes are, are going and more and more people are becoming entrepreneurial. And I feel like, I hate to mention it again, but COVID's really propelled that. It's totally really created more entrepreneurial people and people that are focused not on the paycheck every week or every month. But being but happy. Are happy yep. and they're driven Agreed. and motivated, motivated by other things than their pay packet every week. Yeah. I love Absolutely that. Absolutely money goes, makes the world go around, it does, and there's no doubt about it. And we want a certain lifestyle like everyone does and we're happy to work for it. But it, yeah, that's totally it. People are more focused on being happy. Yep. That analogy of waking up every morning, your alarm goes off. You go through the same routine of putting on your uniform, putting on the clothes that you wear to work, you get to work, you carry in your cruddy lunchbox. What's my saying? You put your shitty sandwich in the (laughs) shitty little fridge, in the (laughs) shitty little kitchen, and you sit at your shitty little desk, and -hmm. that's your day. And look at my nine-year-old daughter. Already, she's wanting to start an e-com business. She's nine. How good's that? You know, and the schooling environment that she's in is teaching kids to be entrepreneurial. It's it's their motto is building our kids and and creating opportunities for jobs that aren't around right now. Their jobs are Love the future. It. So my youngest daughter started a business in COVID. Yeah, there you go. She wasn't very good at online school, <laughs> but she was very good. You know what? But she'd heard us. She'd been listening to all the conversations we'd had about, you know, registering a business and. The domains and the accountant and the all the things you have to do. This letter arrives from ASIC one day and I'm like, what's this? I thought it was for me. It was for her. She'd registered a business name. Seriously. And they actually, they they did. They, they were making clothes in COVID, her and her friend. I loved it. They had a lot of time. They were crocheting bikinis and they were selling them. Yeah, and I thought, amazing. hey, you know, she's not at school, but she's starting a business. So I'm happy. It was a thing that didn't, you know, last forever. But, but yeah, to the point, how good is it? Like there's just so much more opportunity out there and rightly so. But, you know, commission breath, like I said earlier, it actually is not just in relation to selling agents or sales agents or buyers agents um, or commission earning professionals. It, it's on the other side, consumers, people are out there. Oh, you no. Know, yep, it's a here huge elephant in the room. <laughs> yep. Well, it is. How often do we get up? How much do you charge before they, you know, anyone knows anything about what we offer, what we do? And it absolutely blows my mind. Like I I just can't even grasp that people are spending the most amount of money they're ever going to spend on anything, on anything, ever, ever, massive risk involved. And yet they're worried about how much they're going to pay for the right service. It's not about service, about fee. And, you know, it, we've found through experience in our business, perhaps those sorts of clients aren't really the right fit for us because it's not about that. The cheapest is not the best. You know what cheap buys you. Um, but, you know. But also what's what's the, the saying? You know, if, if an agent, whether it be selling, buying, whatever they're doing, if they're not able to substantiate and justify why they are worth the money that you're asking, that they're asking for, how well are they going to negotiate a house for you? Absolutely. And we've got so many examples, you know, where we've had this uncomfortable conversation up front with yeah, many times, and you know, we've had a situation where 
many, but one that comes to mind particularly, we were really put through our paces and they could not understand the value of our service. And we had probably three meetings. We had two meetings before we met. And in both of those meetings was conversations about the fee and reducing the fee. But it obviously was enough of a conversation to move forward to a face-to-face. And in that face-to-face, we were put through our paces in every way, shape or form. Who we've bought for, what we've bought, what we know, what we don't know, how long we've been around, all the, the market. We're a very astute couple. Um, and in the end... Um, well, they asked the question, would we discount our fee? And we've always maintained and held our fee. And after the face-to-face, they asked to sign the agency agreement and the fee was never brought up again. So if there's people out there that are listening that wanted to become a buyer's agent, we've talked a lot about our business and our fee and, you know, how we, you know, how we justify it and all that kind of stuff. But if there's people out there that maybe are listening going, well, I'd love to be a buyer's agent... Um, or they're thinking about engaging a buyer's agent, want to know a bit more about what the qualification should be. If you were going to engage one to help buy a house, what kind of questions would you suggest they ask a buyer's agent about their experience, their their fee, their processes? Because I know, you know, you being the state rep for REBA, there's a, there's a lot of information on that website and I would suggest anyone who is looking to engage mm-hmm. a buyer's agent or wants to be a buyer's agent goes to that website. So REBA, um, there's a lot of information there and there's even questions to ask a buyer's agent if you're yeah. going to engage one. Yeah. Because everyone that's in REBA, every buyer's agent that's part of the governing body for buyer's agents has to go through a, quite a stringent process to actually become a member. You can't just rock up one day and or pay a pay a fee and just become part of it you know you do have to have experience so you get calls all the time yeah I do in that role from people that want to be buyer's agents yeah I do um so a lot of people wanting to know how they become a buyer's agent of course and then there's lots of further questions about you know what should I charge where do I go to get all access to all this information um but I guess the scariest thing is people want to do it as quickly as possible. And that's you life. Can't. That's like yeah, human nature, isn't it? Can't. How quick can I get there? And But you know what? The quickest way actually to get there is to go and work with, alongside, and be part of a team of a really good operator. I agree. Because they are going to teach Whether you selling everything. or buying, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But And it doesn't actually matter what sales position you're in or what mm. industry you learn from someone that's lived it, breathed it, you know, been doing it for a long time because you learn not only the lingo, you learn the process, you learn situations, you're involved in situations and you can't learn that out there on your own and you certainly don't learn it in a textbook. You can't go and do your certificate of registration and go, oh, awesome, I'm qualified. It does not work that way. But you're also, we never take lightly the sense of responsibility that we have, honestly, how can you go and get your qualification and then you're, you're basically spending millions of dollars for people? And even if you're not the decision maker in what to buy, your recommendations are feeding their decision. That's a massive responsibility. It's a huge responsibility. And one that we take, we do not take lightly. We're very aware of that responsibility always. But also too, quite often, 
they themselves haven't actually ever purchased a property or their claim to fame is they've purchased one property in their life at 21. Well, I'm sorry, that's not a qualification or an accreditation in any way, shape or form. And it's certainly not experience. You actually haven't been, we haven't lived long enough for a start, but you haven't been involved in enough transactions and enough property related circumstances, negotiations to be qualified to be leading people in investment decisions and heavily financial decisions. It's, you just can't. You well, we learn from good. every deal. We've learned from every deal that we've ever done, either as a buyer's agent or a selling agent. If you didn't have all those learnings, where are you? Absolutely. You can be talented. Don't get me wrong. You totally. Can be very talented. You're great at it. And you can have a great you know, affiliation with people. You can have many interpersonal skills that are going to lead you to be an amazing professional. But you lack that experience, life and professional experience yep, to be able to handle these situations. And there's plenty of people out there that are, might be listening and totally disagree. Maybe. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe back, there are. Back, back then, we probably thought the same thing. We did. But yeah, but even, even in a sales agency, what was the saying? It's easy, and this used to be said by the principal that I worked for, and when the young guys had come in and they're like, oh, I want to sell houses, and they're like 18 mate, no one's going to list their house with you. You're 18. You can be awesome, but you just need to just get a little bit older and get a bit more experience. But it's easy to justify your fee if you have the runs on the board. Mm-hmm. Remember the runs on the board? Everyone talks about the runs on the board. If you've got the runs on the board, then you've got the – that's basically saying you've got experience. You've done this many times before and you can't buy experience. No matter you can't fake it either. You can't fake it. You can't buy it. You don't know what you don't know. We've learnt through mistakes. God, I remember when I first started, I made some huge ones. Lucky I wasn't in charge of a listing at that point. But you learn. So, yeah, it's it's just sometimes you just got to do your time. So, if, you know, engaging a professional, you know, it's really important to understand how many deals have they actually been the lead on. So, not, oh, I've been involved in a thousand transactions, yeah, as the admin person. No, how many listings and sales or how many clients have you personally worked with and negotiated for over what time period? There's a lot of people that say they've got real estate experience. I saw something the other day, you know, someone advertising that they had, you know, 55 years combined experience um, <laughs> and <laughs> they haven't been alive that long for a start. But also um, they had other careers before real estate. Like there's no way that there's 55 years experience yeah. doing what? Doing what? What did you do? Were you a property manager, sales agent? Um, but just investing in your own personal property, yeah, absolutely it helps. It 100% does because you've got a clue from that perspective. We all do. But it's all the other perspectives that you don't have. So the questions are obviously experience. How many deals have you been in? This is for someone wanting to buy, to engage a buyer's agent. Local knowledge. So important. If I was going to buy a property in an area I did not know, I would engage a buyer's agent. And I know how to buy a property, but I don't know the area. We've had Sydney buyer's agents engage us to buy a weekender because they're very good buyers agents. In fact, very accomplished on the eastern suburbs of Sydney. 
but engaged us to buy the weekender because they didn't know the market. So super important. Are they licensed? Are they insured? Are they members of Real Estate Institute of New South Wales, REBA, PEPA? How qualified are they? Um, what are some other ones you'd ask? Experience, local knowledge, yeah, how qualifications. Long, how long have they had their license for? Yeah, um, because that that's huge. There, there's there's operators out there that have had their license. But they've only been in the industry as well for the minimum amount of time. How many clients do they work with? Mm-hmm. Do they take on competing clients? That's a big one. People often, actually a lot of people ask us we that, but we, that we would lot. never take on a competing client mm-hmm. that's looking for the same thing. And, and we've often wondered how the bigger buyers agents manage it actually, yeah. haven't we? Because we just don't do it. We would hate to have two people wanting the same property. Yeah. It's something some people think of and ask and others go, oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Interestingly, as we've found, it's not often that people come not really with exactly the same no. criteria. There's already no. there's some crossovers, but typically everybody's situation is it's entirely different. different and there'll be one key thing that separates them from another client. So we haven't found ourselves not in that really. situation. No. Um, not to say that it, you know, may happen in the future. I'm sure it does in certain areas, particularly where you know, it's a lesser population. and I think ours is a big region too. If you're operating in, you know, in Sydney, they tend to operate certain suburbs. So there might only be a radius of a couple of suburbs, whereas we've got quite a big footprint. We do. On the central coast. So that's probably helps us a little bit. But yeah, there's some of the key questions that we'd recommend asking because it's, it's really important. You know, you definitely want to know who is advising you and... Um, where they've got their knowledge from and their education from and um you know also ongoing it's equally you know we've spoken a lot about new entrants to the market but equally people that have been doing it for a long time are they continuing to upskill re-educate themselves stay with the times understand the moving target of legislation all of those things are so important to understand about the professional that's going to be advising you and guiding you in the right direction to make one of the biggest financial decisions of your life and can I just say, do not choose a buyer's agent based on social media. Don't. <laughs> because, yes, it's great. We often find people will engage with us. Won't they send us an inquiry or whatever, and then they, they, you see them follow us on social. But don't just engage someone on social media. Do your research. Check out the licences. Check out the reviews. Talk to other people. You can say anything on social media. And let me tell you, a perfect feed is a classic example because real estate's not a perfect feed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. I love the most trusted yeah. buyer's yeah. agent or the lead. Who, who measures that? Who <laughs> buyer says who? <laughs> so just your feed can look great and you can say what you want to say on social media. So, yes, it's, it's an element. Definitely look at it. Look at websites. Look at reviews. Look at social media, talk to people, all of that stuff, but don't just look at social media and go, oh, they look amazing. I'll do. Yeah, because it's amazing. You have a lot of people, like that's part of your role in REBA that you're checking licences because we do agencies apply that don't have them. Yeah, compliance is a huge um, considering factor, um, you know, correct licensing, not just in, um, well, in all areas that a professional operates in. Um, there's no shortcuts about that stuff. People try it all the time. But you must be licensed in the area that you operate in and that is in every single state 
there's no ifs or buts about it. Um, there's plenty of people that try and cheat the system, but it, they'll eventually become unstuck at some point. Um, it's a huge risk. Would it be fair to say that selling agents, to be a, a selling agent, has gone through quite a stringent change over the last few years in legislation? Would it be fair to say that buyers' agents is a fairly new thing that's a very much an emerging and growing industry, that legislation has a bit to go to make sure that the people that are advising are qualified to do so. There's certain roles um, within the real estate industry that aren't as heavily regulated as yep. others. So look at property management. We know through our property management business, oh my gosh, you can't sneeze without having to yep. have a record. So legislated, yeah. So um, it, a lot of regulation around that. But yeah, you're right. Sales agents, there's a lot more regulation and stringent protocols around that area. Um, and buyer's agent, it will change. It most certainly will change, but it is emerging. And it, I mean, in saying that, it's actually not new. It's been around for more than totally, 20 yeah. years, but mainly, I guess, concentrated in metro areas. Um, but, you know, the profession's here to stay. It's growing rapidly. And so as it grows and as there's more, you know, challenges to deal with, there'll be more regulation, it goes without saying. So Yeah, it's definitely picking up and growing over the last few years and it is here to stay. I mean, I had someone say to me when we talked about starting our business, what are you doing that for? That's old hat. That No one's doing that. That's stupid. Well, don't worry about that. We're just <laughs> full steam ahead anyway. But it's definitely here to stay. Even selling agents say to us sometimes, oh, you know, this is, all these buyers agents came out in COVID, but yeah, I think it's here to stay. I think it's here this time. It's, it's not just a passing trend because there's a need for it. Buyers are out there, they're struggling. Um, they're really struggling. But the nature and of our offering is also evolving. You know, our role is going into vendor advocacy as well. And that's, you know, quite a contentious topic at the moment. But as we've found in our own... That could own be another episode. We could. <laughs> we've got a lot to say about that. <laughs> but, you know, every industry is evolving and changing as demands yep. change. So we sort of have to be a bit over open-minded and, you know, and I guess that's why legislation changes because that needs to make provisions for these, you know, emerging trends and um, income streams and things like that. And I know very much part of Reva is looking at these... Um, additional services and how they can be incorporated into our businesses because clients are asking us we know in our own business we get asked all the time you know we need a selling agent who should we choose who do we go to can you help us what do we need to do we've never sold before um, but you know we trust you we've engaged you to buy us a home or you know you manage our properties what do we do and so it's becoming more of a holistic conversation it isn't is. it than the very much yeah. separate that's the selling that's the buying that's the property management. It's all becoming much more of an advisor role. Absolutely. Um, which is where, I mean, remember we asked ourselves these questions before we started our business. Who is, because you've got to look at moving forward. Is this a, okay, it's great. We want to be a, start a buyer's agency, but has that got longevity? Do we think it's going to continue? So we made a few decisions that we were always going to stay diverse to help all buyers. Yep. Everyone deserves it not one particular sector of the market. So that was one thing. But remember, we also said, so who's going to need a buyer's agent? And one of the big key conversations we had was time. As the, lo as the world and life gets busier, people have less time. They do. So they're engaging people to do the things because time's valuable too. If I have a spare day on a Sunday or a Saturday, I want to spend it with my family. I do not want to be traipsing to the Central Coast, looking at a house that looks good in the pictures. And when I got there, it was horrible. And then I drove all the way home. 
So time is valuable to people. So we're saving them time and saving them money. So I think for the, even for that reason, it's a service that's going to continue.